John chapter 12. We've been going through, you've been going through this, this study through the book of John and just looking at the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, and, and where we are here in the 12th chapter of John in the life of Jesus is he's in his last and, and final days. He's, he's there in Jerusalem for his passion. How many of you have ever heard that word referring to Jesus' last week on this planet as the passion? Many people. Great. Awesome. Well, when we hear that, that term, <clears throat> the passion, it's speaking of Jesus, his, his week here that is leading eventually up to that place where he will be executed and he will die on a Roman cross for my sin in my place and for your sin in your place which is then followed by this amazing thing that happens his resurrection from the dead and here in our text here in John chapter 12 we find Jesus knowing what is to come he knows what's what this this week how it will end he knows and understands the gravity of that, that coming moment, his crucifixion on the cross, where, where he, where Jesus, who knew no sin, will become sin, taking on the sin of the world, absorbing all the sin of humanity. And, and Jesus, knowing all of that and understanding that, it says here that, that he's troubled. Read with me in verse 27. Jesus speaking says now my soul is troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour and Jesus says there in verse 28 father I glorify your name I glorify your name you know I'm sure pretty certain if I were to ask the question hey why did Jesus die on the cross and I am certain that most would answer oh of course Jesus died on the cross for our sins right and, and if you said that if I said that we would be right of course Jesus died on the cross for our sins but but what we see here is what Jesus is explaining when he says father now i glorify your name knowing what's coming we understand that his primary reason for dying on that cross was to glorify his father in heaven it was to bring glory to god in heaven and and jesus he did just that and here's here's how in in dying on that cross we see that that was demonstrated was that in God sending his son to die for you and me, we see displayed there God's amazing grace. We also see his unfathomable love that he has for each and every one of us. We see his grace and his love displayed on that cross for you and for me while we were still sinners, the Bible says. There in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes, while we were still in our sin, still enemies with God, that's when he died on the cross for us. Man, what amazing grace. What amazing love. So we see his grace, his love. Also, what we see here is God's infinite holiness and his justice. We see that God is a holy God. And that God is just because he didn't just sweep away our sins, you know, or ignore the penalty of sin. 
saying like, okay, we'll just call it, you know, you just call you clean. No, instead, we see that there was a penalty of sin. That penalty was death. And through the death of Jesus on that cross, God remains just. But guess what? He also becomes our justifier. He is just and the justifier now. And in the cross, and we see such a display of the goodness of God. You see, God gets all the glory. And Jesus, knowing that, says, that's my primary purpose, is just to represent really who God is. He's a good father, like we sang. He is loving. He is most gracious. He's a just and holy God. And that's who God is. That's what Jesus was doing. He's putting that on display. That was his purpose, his goal. That was his passion. That was Jesus' passion. Guess what? The added blessing, which was no doubt part of the Father's perfect plan, was that me and you, we would be freed from the bondage of sin. That's quite an add-on, isn't it? It's quite the add-on. But continuing there in verse 28, Jesus said his primary purpose was to bring God the Father the glory. And then in verse 28, we read, Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Speaking of the Father. Verse 29, Therefore the people who stood by, they heard it. They heard that voice from heaven and, and they said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Interesting. So this voice from heaven, this voice from heaven speaks, hey, I have been glorified and, and I will be glorified again. And people hear that. And some people were like, hey, did you hear something? That sounded like, sounded like thunder. And other people were like, no, man. Are you crazy? That was an angel. An angel spoke to him. But it was neither. It was neither. You know, I remember hearing a story of a friend of mine who was down in Mexico for a trip that he took to an orphanage like we used to take when, when we were here. We used to go down to orphanage. We used to love going down to Mexico. Some of you guys came with us when we went. Great times. But a friend of mine was down there on this particular occasion. A bunch of bikes had been donated. And so they were, they were really excited to bring these bikes down to these, um, to these kids, you know, and, and uh, who, it's crazy. If you've been down there, you see they really don't have much. But what they do have, it's crazy. They're so excited about, you know, what they do have. You know, I remember one of the last trips we took down there, um, the, the hot item there at the orphanage was these tops. You know, they would spin with these, these um, string that they had. And they were just all about them. They were just like, bzz, bzz, bzz. But it was crazy. Once people whipped out their phones, they were like, what? You know, an iPhone? Anyways, um, that's another story. So they bring these bikes down to these orphans, and they unload the bikes, and they're watching these happy kids ride around these you know, new bikes. And one of the guys that, that went down there with the crew was like, hey, Papa Wheelie, hey, Papa Wheelie. You know, and the kids are like riding around like, oh, what's this guy saying? You know, it's like, oh. and, and he's like, Papa Wheelie, Papa Wheelie. And so soon these kids, like, they were totally confused. So they go over to like one of their, you know, the helpers, the workers at the orphanage, and they're like, what's this guy saying you know so and the, one of the workers walks over and the kids are like riding behind him up to this guy who was yelling Papa Willie and the lady's like hey the, the children the children want to know who is this Papa Willie who is this person they don't know who he is and they were like oh no it was, it was, it was lost in translation right so it was funnier when the guy told me I promise 
But that's not what happened here in this occasion. Some said, and that was thunder, booming thunder. And others said, no, and that was an angel he spoke, but it was neither. Instead, um, it was the voice of the Father. And it's crazy. It's, it's actually so interesting and it's true how in any given moment where there are a group of people that hear the same words spoken, hear the same Bible study and the same message can come away with a totally different interpretation of what they heard. Isn't that crazy? And it's true. You know, and I believe this can happen in both a positive and a negative light. Both positive and negative. First of all, it's a really beautiful thing. The Word of God. The Bible says that it's powerful, that it's living, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It always will cut to the heart of the matter of a man or woman and get right to where they are. Speak to them in that place where they're at, what they need to hear. It's amazing power of God's word but listen what you hear what I hear it depends on where our heart is at that's the delineator that's what changes things it's the state of our hearts we see this in the parable that Jesus told the story of the sower and he was talking about as the sower went and he was casting his seed that seed represented God's word and some of the seed fell on good soil which represented that, that heart that was not only willing and ready to hear, but it was excited because it, it wanted to receive that word in hopes that it would eventually produce fruit. And I hope that that's your heart here today. You're here and you came here say, hey, I've been in your seat. I know, man, some of you got dragged out of your bed by your parents. Come on, we're going to church. And you're like, ah, you know, and so you put something on. They're like, yeah, you're not wearing that. Go change. Yeah, that used to happen every Sunday. But you know what? I hope that once you got here, you're like, you know what? God wants to speak to me today. I don't know who this chubby guy is on stage, but hey, he's bringing the word. God has something for me, right? That's what I pray our heart is. But also, we're told in Jesus' parable that some seed that was cast out fell on thorny ground, which represents a heart that, that was a lot like mine when I was in those chairs, when I was your age. You know we didn't have iPhones and social media in my day, but hey, there was plenty out there to distract me in this world. I remember, you know, my mind was thinking about girls and relationships and, and friends and, and things that were going on around me. Man, I, I remember I was so focused on romance, even as I got older, the temptation of, of sex and eventually drugs. Man, there were so many things that flooded my heart, flooded my mind. You know, I was into surfing and music and, and all that stuff just, just crowded my heart. And I really put a lot of interest and effort into those things. And when God's word was spoken, listen, it was so easily and quickly choked out. It was choked out. The cares and concerns I had for those things of this world, it choked out God's word. I'll tell you what, I missed so many opportunities when God's word was declared in power and truth. And guess what? I know for a fact that I missed out on so many, so many opportunities that the Lord wanted to speak into my life of direction and encouragement in those times when I needed it the most. That was the thorny heart. 
I pray that our hearts, man, if they are like that, we, we change. We change. Sometimes seed can fall on what Jesus taught was known as the stony ground. And the, the seed fell below the surface, but the stony ground wasn't good soil. And the, the seed could not get down there and, and you know, really bear any, any roots. And so that soil represented that sometimes, hey, some of us have emotional experiences when it comes to the Lord. You know, we, we have these, these, these emotions that overwhelm us in times of worship or at a, a youth camp, a summer camp, winter camp, event, whatever it is. And that experience is like, oh man, yes, Lord, you're true, you're good, you're my Savior. But then when trials hit, when temptation comes, because it was just a, an experience and it wasn't like a heartfelt dedication to follow him, to truly repent and turn from those things that we do not need to be, you know, belonging to. And so when that temptation came, when those trials came, man, the seed was easily just withered and it died. That was a stony ground. But what we have here in our story, those people that heard the word of the Lord, there's also represented the hard heart that hears the voice of God. And the Bible teaches, guys, and this is what I really want you to hear, that sometimes because of sin and its slow effect that it sometimes can have. Have you guys noticed that? You know, when you sin, there's not a lightning bolt that comes down and strikes you, you know, even like wounds you. So you're like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. No, it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes sin is so delayed, it almost tricks us, doesn't it? It fools us, and we're like, I got away with that. I'm going to do that again. That felt pretty good. And the Bible does teach that sin is pleasurable, but for what? A season. <laughs> Only shortly, sin is pleasurable. And, and there's no, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Sin feels good. And it feels amazing sometimes. But guess what follows is the effects of sin. And we see here that when sin is allowed to come in, Man, it starts to walk and trample on the soil of our hearts. And that soil becomes so hard, eventually it cannot be, you know, the seed can't penetrate it. It can't get down where it wants to get and, and start bearing roots and bearing fruit because we've allowed sin in and it just tramples all over our hearts. We see that with these people here that, that when they hear the word of God and they think, man, that's just thunder. Just a noise. Just another noise. It's just thunder. But again, we know it wasn't thunder. It wasn't an angel. It was the voice of the Father. You know, I spend a lot of time just talking about those different soils because I myself, I myself have been many shades of those soils at various times in my life. And unfortunately, as I mentioned before, I suffered greatly and missed opportunities to hear from God, to receive direction from Him. And, and really, all He wanted to do was lead me. All He wanted to do was to protect me and guide me. Guys, God wants to bring you guys a satisfaction of life that this world and its pleasures, it can't compare but yet, if you're like I was, man, you're seeking satisfaction in all these different things. And they seem like they will bring satisfaction to you in the moment because they feel good. 
because sin is delayed in its effects sometimes but what God wants you to hear today is that he has the best for you that that thing that satisfies the most and that is him this close intimate relationship with him he wants to do that in your life and you know what the beautiful thing is that there's no checklist there's no you know laundry list of chores and things you have to do to get to that place you get to that place just in an instant by saying Jesus that's where I want to be help me cleanse me renew my heart and my spirit so I can be in that place to hear clearly what you want from me isn't that amazing that's the relationship that God wants to have with us. He can renew it in an instant because of, of what Jesus will eventually accomplish at the end of this week that we're in here with him. My prayer is that we would share the prayer of David who is, who is at, at your age in his life. We, we see recorded in the Psalms, his cry, his prayer to the Lord is, search me, God and know me examine my heart examine my mind examine my motives and if there is any impure thing pointed out let's do business and you know what you can do that today i can do that today and god will bless that heart that genuine heart of any man or any woman that wants to be reconnected and find that intimate relationship renewed restored and brought to a place where we can hear him clearly search me and know me it's an amazing thing but in verse 30 after Jesus hears the crowd and their speculations of that that voice Jesus answers and says this voice did not come because of me but for your sakes Jesus hearing these people say, hey, that sounded like thunder. Nah, that was just an angel. No, the voice was spoken. And Jesus says, hey, this voice did not come because of me, but it came for you. It wasn't for me. I don't need to hear an audible voice from God, from heaven to me, validating who I am, the son of God, and what's going to take place the crucifixion and the resurrection from the dead Jesus says no man that was for you guys that was to testify of what was to come for your sakes and here's why Jesus goes on because now verse 31 is the judgment of this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out and verse 32 if I am lifted up from the earth I will draw all people's to myself so Jesus says hey it's for your sakes because right now is the judgment of this world or Jesus is saying it's decision time it's time to make a decision world this is go time we're at the, the crossroads which would be a great name for a youth group it's a great name Jesus says hey the decision is now judgment is now and it's time that you need to make a decision. Again, Jesus, knowing fully where this week would lead him, he, he knew what was about to go down in that place called Golgotha and, and, and to this crowd, but also to you and to me. He is saying here today, hey, it's time. Everyone has to make a decision. Jesus says, 
to you and I here today. You can't stay neutral anymore. It, it, it's, it's, it's past the time where you can say, hey, I'm just going to sit on the fence and figure things out. You know, I remember me and my friends when we were in junior high, got together, me and my other friend and my brother, and we're like, one day we're going to become hardcore Christians. We know this, you know, just like mom and dad, but not right now. And so we made this pact. If anybody here, like, decides, like, hey, let's do this, hardcore Christians, then we'll get together and we'll do it all together. You know, we were like 13. And uh, that didn't go so well. But anyways, maybe that's you thinking one day. You know, right now I'm a hardcore hacky sacker, but one day I'll be a hardcore Christian. But you know what? Jesus is saying right now, it's the time to decide. The time is now. He tells them, he tells us. Because listen, the reason why we have to choose is because Jesus, he's changed everything. Jesus has changed everything. Did you know that the history of our world is split in two? B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. I don't know if I said that right. Split in two, before Jesus came on the scene and after Jesus was here. He changed everything. Split our entire, uh, the history of the world in two at the crossroads of humanity. And how did Jesus change the scene? I know that you're asking. Well, Jesus, when he came on the scene, he, he followed the Father's will all the way to the cross where he became our substitute to propitiate the righteous wrath of God on the sin of mankind, once and for all, releasing mankind from the bondage of sin, taking back this world. When, when, when God created Adam, God gave Adam the keys. He entrusted the world to Adam, and Adam gave it to the tempter. He gave it to the devil. And we might be thinking, like, man, if I was there, I would have been... I would have kicked that snake. But instead, Adam, he was our champion. And we wouldn't have done any better. We'd probably be, you know, did it earlier. But anyways, Adam gave the world over to Satan. And Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, he has taken back the world. Taken back that which had been set into motion, the decline and fall of both man and nature that we still see the effects of today. Jesus changed everything everything not only did he change it historically but listen he changed it personally because listen for for even us for us we lived our lives up to a certain point until we came into that contact with that same reality of Jesus where even we ourselves stood at that crossroads. We stood at that point where we had to make a decision whether we were going to live for Jesus or not. Live for ourselves. Hey, maybe by some crazy divine reason, you're at that crossroads this morning. Only God knows your hearts. Maybe that's you. You're here and you haven't made that decision. And I pray, I pray that you would choose today to give your life fully over to Christ 
that you would decide to follow him, pursue him, because Jesus changes everything. And he wants to change your life. He wants to renew your life. And he wants to lead you into that place that is best for you, where he can bless you the most, protect you, and satisfy you. Jesus has that for you today, right now. It's amazing. So Jesus, knowing what was to come, knowing where he was headed, and what would be accomplished, knowing the defeat of the enemy was at hand, Jesus goes on. There in verse 32, follow along, he says, as we already read, if I am high, if, I'm sorry, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And it says that Jesus said this, signifying by what death he would die. Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. You know, I was thinking, what attracts a crowd today? What attracts a crowd today? I, I just looked up online some of these uh, few things that have attracted the most people. And I found in, in one, in, in, in one at a funeral in India in 1969 of, of this dude, over 15 million people showed up to this guy's funeral to pay their respects to this former chief minister of this guy from this city, Chennai, there in India. That's a lot of people. Over 15 million people like showed up to this guy's funeral. And all I thought is like, man, I'd hate to be the janitors that came in afterwards to clean up, you know, going to those outhouses. I mean, especially the way the Indian food like affects me. That's not good. You know what? Over 6 million people showed up in the Philippines last year when the Pope came to the Philippines. Over, over 6 million people. And I guess reportedly there was supposed to be a lot more people to, to come when he arrived, but then they found out that he wasn't the same person that, that um, played Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars. And so they were like, oh, that's not him? Forget it. They didn't show up. Six million people. Man, from sporting events like the Super Bowl to concerts and festivals like Coachella, nothing attracts so many for so long than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can I get an amen? Amen. Stadiums are packed out. Arenas get sold out. But listen, nothing will stop that drawing power of the crucified Lord. Jesus says, if I, if I am lifted up, then I will draw all men to me if I am lifted up I will draw all these peoples to me all men all women young old in the middle American Asian African Mexican Irish um, Jewish Greek I mean everybody anybody he says if I am lifted up I will draw all people to myself and friends I just want to encourage you. I want to remind you, never stop thinking about, never stop reading and, and singing songs about or even pondering over that one thing, that one thing that you can share with, that you can talk about, you can discuss with others and meditate on, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. It draws us. It draws everyone and anybody to himself 
And I know that sometimes, you know, we might be led, maybe in, in our sharing, to talk about something else. It might be a little bit more attractive, we think, you know, to get people to come to church, to get people to read their Bible. And you know what? But nothing has the draw. Nothing is more attractive when we talk about Christ and Him crucified. But why? Why is that so attractive? Why does Christ on a cross attract and draw so many? Listen, it works because every single person, listen, you, me, we, every single one of us, those in our families, all of our friends, all of our neighborhood, this entire community, this entire world, everyone is haunted by this thing called sin. We're haunted by the reality of sin. It's an issue that everybody deals with. It's an issue that we all face. It's the issue of sin. Everybody has messed up. There's not one person that can claim, nah, I don't have a problem with sin. If they do, well, they're sinning because they're lying. So they have a problem. Probably a worse one than you because you're admitting it, right? We all sin. We all struggle. We all are faced with that issue of sin. Because of sin, everybody feels that tension. And I love the Apostle Paul because he explained it the most. And when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. The Apostle Paul says, hey, I don't claim to understand it. But I want to do what's right. But how come I don't do it? Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right. But I can't. I want to do what's good. But I don't. Can you relate to the Apostle Paul? Oh man, I thought I was schizophrenic. But then I read Paul and I'm like, no, that's me. I, I know what's good. And I want to do what's good. How come I don't do what's good? Paul says, man, I don't want to do what's wrong. But I do it anyway. And that makes me look at myself and say, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, miserable woman. You guys feel like that? Well, you're not the only one. Not only the Apostle Paul feels like that, but I feel like that. Everybody on this planet has the opportunity because of the reality and the issue of sin to look at their life in light of Christ. And we struggle with sin. We're, we're, we're faced with it. Listen, guys. Man, write this down if you guys are taking notes. Memorize this if you are gifted that way. Listen, you've probably heard it before. God's greatest deed was mankind's greatest need. That's why the cross of Jesus Christ, that's why him crucified is so attractive. Because God's greatest deed was man's, woman's, mankind's greatest need. Mankind's greatest need was, was not to find true love. I know that's probably what you thought. That's what I thought once. Man's greatest need wasn't to find success. It wasn't to get straight A's. It wasn't to have a killer job. It wasn't to leave in the middle of... No, I'm just joking. No, listen. Man's greatest need was not to win the lottery. 
man's greatest need, everyone's greatest need, your greatest need, my greatest need. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness is our greatest need. And guess what? That is exactly what God has done. His greatest deed was bringing forgiveness to mankind when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood. The greatest thing that God has ever done, will do, is forgiving mankind. That's amazing. And that's why the cross attracts so many. Because of what he's done on the cross, you and I are forgiven. We're forgiven. Some might think creation is God's greatest deed. But the Bible says that when God created the earth, he spoke the world into existence. He says, let there be, and boom, there was. Creation wasn't God's greatest deed, but instead, when he provided true forgiveness of sin, that, that we might be forgiven, that sin would be forgotten and, and demolished and deleted and removed as if it never happened. No, he couldn't just speak it into existence. Instead, he had to bleed and he had to die. He suffered so that you and I and we could be forgiven. In closing, I want to encourage you to continue to talk about this one thing when you share with your friends and you share with those people and your family that doesn't know Jesus or that friend you have that you know they're right on the edge and they're just struggling. Or even that parent, you know, maybe, maybe that person in your household that, man, you know that you feel like you're the only light there in that house. Maybe that's your school, your class. You're surrounded by darkness. People are making fun of you or, man, wherever it is, whenever. Man, please never stop sharing, never stop talking about this one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, Him crucified. It's so easy. That conversation could just be like, man, I am so grateful to be forgiven. I, I thank you. I thank God for forgiveness, that He's forgiven my sin. You know, I love running into old friends that I used to grow up with that remembered the idiot that I used to be. Because they're like, hey, you're the same idiot that you used to be. But the one thing that's different, and they can see it, and they can sense it, is that there's a change in my life. And, and that usually comes up. Like, dude, that's crazy. It's like, yeah, because I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what changed me. That's what changed in my life. Never stop sharing that with your friends. Never stop sharing that with people that the Lord puts you in that place where you can, you can share and, and, and evangelize in that way. But listen, never stop thinking about it for yourselves personally. This not only is a great need for everybody else, but it, it's a great need of ours as well. That Jesus said, as often as you do, which means do this often, remember me. Remember what, what I've done there on Calvary where I gave myself for you for the remissions of your sin. I've, I've wiped your slate clean. 
Never stop remembering that for yourself and never stop praising the Lord for that in your own times. As often as it comes up in your own reading, just stop and just think and just pray. Are you struggling today? Do you feel like intimacy is gone? Guess what? The meeting place is at the cross of Calvary where we meet Jesus in that most intimate way where he met our greatest need in forgiveness so that we could be Lord, the, the big switch he took on our sin and he put his righteousness and holiness upon us through that one event there at the cross don't stop sharing that with your friends and don't stop thinking about it for yourselves personally amen all right, I'm going to have Scott come up and play. And, 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 and I'm going to pray for us here today. And I want to encourage you, if, if this, this word has spoken to you in any certain way, and you really felt as the message of this sermon went out, or whatever I said, whatever I fumbled through, really spoke to you about something that you need to do business with, then this is the time. This is your crossroads today. Take advantage of it. Don't, don't lose this opportunity as, as this next song is played. Just whether you're singing it or whether you're just thinking about some things that's going on in your mind, just allow the Lord to come in to fill your hearts with peace as you open up your hearts to Him. The Bible says that when you seek Him, you will find Him. That's a promise that we can be assured of today, that as we knock, He will open. Let's take advantage of this time where we can do business, where we can come close to the Lord, allow Him to minister, encourage, and just maybe even give direction. Let's just do that together. Amen?